Hey, chiropractors, we're ready for another modern chiropractic marketing show with Dr. Kevin Christie, where we discuss the latest in marketing strategies, content marketing, direct response marketing, and business development with some of the leading experts in the industry. Hey, docs, welcome to another episode of the Modern Chiropractic Marketing Show. This is your host, Dr. Kevin Christie, and I've got an interview with the fun, exciting, great, charismatic speaker, Greg Friedman, someone who can take the topic of notes and documentation and actually make it interesting, which is quite a feat in itself. But I, you know, I brought him on today, not to necessarily dive into all of the details of, of notes, but to really start talking about the conversation of how to streamline them, make it simple, and let it be something that serves your practice. Obviously, you have to do them. I always, I always uh, like in notes and doing patient notes and charts to taxes. Right? None of us like taxes, but we have to pay them. Right? We have to pay them, and that's the same thing with notes. None, none of us like doing it, but we have to do it. There's just no way around it. And he's got a great training program and goes around all over the country talking about how to put in your notes, what you need to, but not too much, how to streamline it, make it a lot more efficient. And I wanted to bring him on to discuss that so we can stop being kind of inundated with notes and it basically affecting our personal lives, you know, getting done with patients at six and staying in the office till 730, uh, doing notes at home, doing it on the weekends. Really, it's, it's a problem in that regard, but it's also a problem with you being productive in other aspects. You know, I try to, I talk to a lot of chiropractors that need more patients and stuff. And I was like, okay, what are you doing during your two hour lunch break where you could potentially be doing community outreach or shooting a video or writing a blog or posting on social media, meeting with a doctor, whatever. Instead, they're like, well, I have to do my notes. And it just really fills up all of the gaps in their their schedule so they can't do anything else. And that's what I want to start that conversation on. And that's what we we dove into today. He's actually going to be in the first quarter of this year of 2020, having three of his seminars in Florida. So I'm in Florida. I'm going to send my associates to the one, I believe he's going to do one in Fort, uh, Fort Lauderdale or West Palm, one of the two, definitely one in South Florida, and then two others throughout the state. So take a look at those. We discuss where you can find that information as well. So uh, without further ado, here's my, my conversation on how to avoid the notes becoming a real problem in your productivity and your personal life with Dr. Greg Friedman. All right, Dr. Greg Friedman, I really appreciate your time today. I'm excited to dive into a topic that uh, is near and dear to your heart and something that we all have to do, and uh, it might as well not be too too painful. So introduce yourself both personally and professionally, and we'll get into it. Well, thanks for having me, Kevin. So uh, yeah, my name is Greg Friedman. I've been in practice for, you know, I just celebrated my 33rd anniversary of graduating from chiropractic college. Oh, amazing which is literally impossible because I'm only 35 years old. So <laughs> I, was, I was one of those prodigy kids. That's awesome. So I graduated when I was two. It was awesome. Yeah. So, Good so, stuff. Well, congratulations on the anniversary. Thank you very much. So I'm a second generation chiropractor. My father practiced for about 60 years. You can imagine that. Damn. So uh, I still see patients about three mornings a week, maybe like eight or nine hours a week, not a day, a week. And the reason I keep it limited is because I travel between 24 and 30 weekends a year, between 75 and 100,000 miles a year, speaking at 
my own seminars and conventions on the subject of documentation. And I also do work with insurance companies and attorneys and chiropractors and I consult and I review records and do IMEs and uh, I do everything involved in, in that whole documentation arena. And, uh, but I still like to see patients. I really like seeing patients. So I don't want to give that up. I just kind of keep it limited. I do it on my own time. I dress very formally in my office with patients. I, I typically wear shorts and a t-shirt and tennis shoes like 10 months into the year. And then uh, sometimes I don't shave. <laughs> you can do and that then, in Arizona, uh, right? Uh, yeah. Right now we, we're having our cold weather. It's like in the 60s a little bit. So I might wear long pants sometimes. And my patients give me crap about it. So. <laughs> uh, well, it sounds like you know, The patients I see right now are like, I have cash patients, PI patients, a few insurance, but you know, it's all over the place, but I, I just enjoy, I enjoy, I enjoy doing it still. So I don't want to give that up. So uh, when did you kind of trans transition out of uh, say full-time patient care into part-time and obviously doing so much with the documentation? Gosh, it's been, it's, it's been at least 15 years and I used to, yeah, you know how to start. I used to, uh, teach six-hour seminars on Thursdays for another company a mm-hmm. long time ago. And they did everything for me. So they would get everybody. I would just have to fly out on a Wednesday, speak on a Thursday, and fly home on a Thursday night. And it was, it was great. And I'll never forget, my favorite week ever was one week my family was going, we were going to San Diego. So my wife and kids drove to San Diego from Phoenix. I flew to, I don't know, Indianapolis or something on Wednesday while they were driving to San Diego. I taught Thursday, and instead of flying back to Phoenix on Thursday night, I flew to San Diego on Thursday, and then I spent the next week at a condo on the beach in San Diego. And I remember I was, I was also reviewing some records that weekend, and I was sitting on the balcony uh, of the condo on the beach drinking wine while reviewing some records and writing a report. And I thought, and then at the end of that week, my family drove back to Phoenix and I flew to the next city. And I thought, that was a perfect week. (laughs) (laughs) I I need to do more of that. That was was awesome. So I started, so I I kind of, you know, I've been really doing other seminars since about the early 2000s. I've always been, I've enjoyed speaking in public for many years to compete and speaking competitions, and I acted. I was a musician, so I love an audience. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of, it all just kind of fell in place for me. And I just figured out what to do with it. So were you nervous when you kind of made that transition, or did you were you ready to go? I was a little nervous because although I'm comfortable speaking, I had no idea about booking seminars. So I'll never forget the uh, the first few hotels I booked. They would ask me on the phone. They would say, "So you know, how how big of a room do you need?" And I said, well, I don't know. Well, do you, need, do you need a room for like 50 people? And I said, I guess. <laughs> I, I had no idea. So I was just getting killed on these expensive big rooms that I wasn't even close to filling. And then one day I was on the phone with some hotel somewhere in the country and their price was so high that I must have audibly groaned. <laughs> and the woman said, oh, is that out of your budget? And as soon as she said that, I thought, oh, crap, this is negotiable. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, well, yeah, that's out of my budget. 
And she said, may I ask you what your budget is? I said, you bet you can. I said, my budget is whatever number you're about to tell me, my budget's lower than that. <laughs> <laughs> Ever since then, I'm like, this whole thing is, is oh, that, that, that was a big lesson. So that, that took me a while to figure out and, and how to promote. It was, that's the hardest part. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, I wanted to have you on, uh, aside from just chatting with you, which I always enjoy doing, because I've been talking to quite a bit of chiropractors about their marketing and networking and getting out in the community and optimizing that so, you know, they can actually grow their practice. And one of the common themes that I get is that, well, I don't have a lot of time. You know, if I got a two hour lunch break, I'm doing notes for it. Or if I get done at 6 p.m., I'm doing notes until 7.30. Like, I don't know where I'm going to find the time to do anything else other than treat patients, do notes, and, and then obviously personal life stuff. So I wanted to have you on to start discussing some strategies of how uh, a chiropractor can really decrease that overwhelm with the notes. Sure. In fact, you know, the biggest thing, Kevin, I think is most chiropractors don't really know what they need to document and what they don't need to document. So they're just throwing everything at it. And then someone like me comes in and says, what are you doing? You're wasting your time here. So the first thing to do is understand exactly what's required. Uh, so I would say that there's the, there's the must, there's the should, and there's the could. So certain things you must document. There's just no way around that. That's just required. Other things, they may not be required, but you should document them because mm -hmm. it's helpful. It adds context, perhaps. And then there's stuff that you could document that is a complete and utter waste of everybody's time. Don't do it. I don't care how much you like it. Just don't do it. So we have to get through that. And then we can figure out what's the best way to do that. And, and I'll be the first one to tell you that most of the very, you know, more and more chiropractors are going to software, whether EHR, EMR, things like that. And, and I'll tell you right now, most of these software companies have absolutely no idea what we're supposed to document, the shoulds, the, the must, the shoulds, and the coulds. So they just put everything in there, and these doctors are stuck trying to navigate through software to document a whole bunch of stuff that is irrelevant and meaningless. So not only is it wasting their time, but then they come to find out that didn't even help them. So yeah. we have to narrow this down to what actually works and how we can do it in the least amount of time and with the least amount of effort. Perfect. I love it. So can you give us a few of the musts? Okay. So here, now keep in mind, you know, this whole thing starts with Medicare. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you never see Medicare patients. It doesn't matter. Medicare is a federal agency, and they drive the train. Everyone else eventually follows Medicare. The state boards follow Medicare. The other Blue Cross and Aetna follows Medicare. Everybody follows it. Even I have friends in medicine, medical doctors, nurses, and they say, oh, yeah, Medicare drives the whole thing. Mm -hmm. We've got it. And, and, they, and they whine about this whole thing too. So the first thing to understand that from a chiropractic perspective, from Medicare, they require just two things from us, just two things. And that is an assessment of pain and an assessment of function. That's it. So the problem number one is most chiropractors are, are really only talking about pain with their mm -hmm. patients, They're not assessing function. And this is why when I review PI cases and workers' comp cases for insurance companies, I'm going to tell you this, Kevin, I cut off now, I'm not biased at all. I have no mm -hmm. biases. I'm looking specifically for certain things in the documentation. But I will cut off 
99.9% of all chiropractic records that I review mm-hmm. after only four weeks of care or less because, because everybody's missing this certain thing. They're missing the function. Like that. Uh-huh. And yep. these are requirements. It's not just a Medicare thing. It's all these various guidelines and regulations they try to throw at us. So the first thing is you've got to assess function. And the first thing I'm going to tell you to do is you, the use of outcome questionnaires. Mm-hmm. That should be mandatory for every chiropractor, for every patient. It should be standard operating procedure. It should be like blood tests for medical doctors. Uh, and, it's, and if we could figure out how to do it efficiently, it's so powerful because it gives us something that's measurable. Mm-hmm. It's already been validated. Unless I've had a few doctors make up their own questionnaires. Those don't count. Yeah. There are plenty of questionnaires out there for musculoskeletal areas in particular that they've already been published and validated and they're accepted and they're, they're magnificent. I mean, some of them, Kevin, are only seven questions long. I mean, how long does that take a patient to fill out? Like a so I guess, yeah, I, guess, I guess that's part of my question too is that, you know, I think a lot of chiropractors, when they hear that, the as far as the outcomes and all that, the questionnaires, they think actually it's going to add a whole lot more to their plate and more time and, and be cumbersome. Is that true or is there some ways around that to where it's actually more efficient or is it just something, because obviously you, you have to do certain things to document appropriately and obviously get paid appropriately. And then there's other things about to try to be efficient. Can you do both with the outcome assessments? Yeah, you can. I mean, you you could go both ways on this thing. There are some outcome questionnaires that are long and tedious. And I'm like, don't you, don't give those to your patients. They're going to hate you for that. But for example, so a lot of chiropractors like to use the oswestry for lower back and the NDI neck disability for the neck. Well, each of those are 10 questions long. Not that big of a deal, but you know what? I don't use those. I use the Bournemouth neck and the Bournemouth back because they're only seven questions long. That means they're 30% shorter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They're 30% faster. I mean, honestly, it takes the patient like under a minute to answer those seven questions. There's a questionnaire. One of the bigger ones I like, I I usually like the short ones, but there's one for headaches. That's spectacular, but it is a little longer. It's about 20, 26 questions. That might take them a couple of minutes, but it's so powerful for that. And then there's extremity questionnaires, but you, you have to keep it simple and quick and don't overload people too much. You don't give them t- 10 different questionnaires. I'll be honest though, like a PI case when they've got six different symptoms, all right, that's going to take them a little while. So I'll warn them about it, but I have to explain to them at the, at the outset why it's so important because that's going to really be able to establish. I had, a, I had a patient the other day who's a cash paying patient uh, from originally from California. Yeah. And she's a cash bank patient. And she, I know I gave her, I gave her a questionnaire to fill out. And I explained her at the beginning with excitement in my voice, not dread in my voice. I said, yeah, this, this is what we do. Establish a measurable baseline of function. That way we're going to remeasure after a few weeks of care to see if we're on the right track or not. Because if we're, if we're not on the right track, I don't want to waste your time. I want to know that we're doing the, our best for you. And she was like, that is so awesome. I love that. I've never heard of that before. I'm like, finally, somebody. <laughs> well, and that's part of so it. I used to, yeah, I yeah. mean, it's part of it too, where, you know, we talk a lot about the patient experience and optimizing that and making sure that uh, you're, you're giving that patient everything that they deserve. And it really will help out as far as patient retention, which then helps out with your results. But something like that could really help enhance that patient experience as well. In fact, I even say to use the outcome assessment 
as a report of findings instead mm -hmm. of doing a sales pitch yep. uh, on that kind of thing. Instead, we say, look, it's like a blood test. Look, this is normal. This is you. Yeah. Where do you want to go? Well, is it normal? I yeah. think so. Let's start with a, a two-week trial, and then we'll reassess and see where we are. Or even I was having this conversation with a doc recently where we talked about, you know, patient communication doesn't end at the report of findings. It, it happens during visits and it happens at re-exams or final exams. And, and those are key times to really communicate well with them. And it'll, re it'll cement that relationship with that patient, which will give the, you know, a higher chance they'll return for things and not forget about you. Right. Right. One of the other things, Kevin, to consider is when we are assessing pain, which is one of the other ones that Medicare requires, yeah. um, they want us to use uh, like a rating system, like, like a zero to 10 kind of a thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and that's fine. But understand that, you know, don't be giving patients the option of choosing a number between zero and 10. That's too many choices. Okay. It's like I told a story at a seminar in uh, Spokane last weekend that you know, you know what restaurant I hate more than any other restaurant? Cheesecake Factory. Oh, yes. I hate it. It's not because her food is bad. I hate it because their menu is like a million pages long. And by the time I get to page 18, I've completely forgotten what was on the first 18 pages. <laughs> I just want, give me five options. Let me just, so when you give somebody an option, you know, give me a number between zero and 10. Oh, my gosh. So instead, I say this. Would you consider your neck pain to be mild, moderate, or severe? Because people sort of understand that. And they would say, yeah. um, I call it moderate. And mm -hmm. I'll say, okay, so moderate is between a four and a seven. Give me a number between four and seven. That's easier for them to come up with a number. Yeah, that's the, good. The problem, that's a must, is documenting the intensity with a number. Join Parker Seminars February 6th through the 8th at the Paris Hotel in the heart of the Las Vegas Strip. Master your craft with three incredible days of art, science, and philosophy. Featured among our 43 speakers are actor and veterans advocate, Gary Sinise, and Shark Tank star, inventor, and entrepreneur, Lori Grenier, sharing their unprecedented insights on mastering your profession and your life. There will be five tracks to choose from, and of course, fun and entertainment you've come to expect. Please visit parkerseminars.com for more information. Register today. But now I'm going to give you a should. A should okay. is that number could be limiting because isn't it possible that they could be stuck at a seven for a while Yeah. and your notes look the same. So a should, in other words, it's not required, but it's really helpful, is documenting the time, the frequency. And I don't mean occasional, intermittent, frequent, and constant because those mm -hmm. are crap. You want to document the increments, like 5 or 10% increments, like 50% of the time, 75%, 20%. 15%, five mm -hmm. or 10% increments, because that way the pain could be a seven, 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 but the frequency went from 100% to 95%, to 90%, to 80%. Even though it's just a small amount of change each visit, it mm -hmm. is showing change. So that is a way that we can document that. And what I do you know, in my EMR is I actually track those and I calculate each time how much, what percentage of change there is from visit to visit, because that happens to be a, another Medicare requirement. We have to actually document um, how is each condition responding since the prior visit. Mm -hmm. And nobody is aware of that, really. And yeah. the best way to be able to track that is with use of metrics. I mean, like the whole medical profession revolves around metrics. We've just missed that. 
How do we know when the patient is improving? How do they know when their cholesterol is lower because of the number, when their blood pressure goes down because of a number, when their weight's coming down because of a number? We just don't know as chiropractors what metrics to use. So the ones that, that seem to be the most common and the most commonly accepted would be pain intensity, pain frequency, and then outcome questionnaire scores, and then perhaps range of motion measurements. And that's, I'm going to use that as an optional one. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about actually measuring it, not eyeballing it and making up a number. But yeah. that's an optional one. If I could get chiropractors to document intensity and frequency for each condition on every visit mm-hmm. and outcome questionnaires every two weeks, Kevin, I'm telling you that I get 90% of the way there. 90% of the way there. The only other 10% is if you're going to be doing personal injury, I would say you're going to want to add range of motion measurements to that equation as well. But okay. everybody else, holy crap, it's so easy to do this. So perfect. Basically, we're, we are subtracting a lot of stuff we don't need. We're adding in some of the outcome measurements, which will help expedite things. And there's got a lot of benefits to that, obviously, just it's proper documentation too. And so then when you do that, take away the crap, add in what you really need to. Uh, you've actually decreased the, the, say, time and quantity of your notes, correct? Exactly. So I want you to, I tell doctors, quit talking so much. You're talking meaningless stuff. In, in other words, I want you to, no, don't say that, but I do want you to say this. But this stuff, you've got to document. You've got to write it properly. In fact, the big thing that I look for when I review records is, is the patient improving with your care or not? And that's why we've got to document the metrics because that's how we're going to show, we're going to be able to track this stuff mm-hmm. to determine if they're getting better or not. Without that, I'm going to cut you off for four weeks and it's not just me making that up. That's from all these various guidelines. And if we can, and, and if you're ever audited by that, or somebody tries to challenge you and you actually show that measurable improvement, you let me know and I'll get involved. That's how we can fight this. Perfect. So uh, in, improved quality, decreased quantity of verbal vomit, correct? Exactly. <laughs> all right, perfect. Uh, I wanted to transition a little bit. And so obviously, you probably run into a lot of chiropractors that tell you, yeah, I, I do my notes at home at night on weekends in the mornings before I go to work. It's just like basically, you know, interfering with their, their personal life where they are uh, doing notes 10, 20 days later after the date of service. What are some, uh, I don't want to have any kind of fear tactics on getting people to, to do the notes, but what are some of the strategies you would have for a doctor to actually get the notes done timely and not let them, uh, you know, drag on for days or creep into their personal life. Yeah, that breaks my heart when I hear about doctors doing that. I, that's, a, that's awful. Nobody wants to do that. It happens so, a lot. Again, the, the big thing is once I could get you to quit talking about crap that's irrelevant and only talk about the stuff that is relevant, now that limit that reduces the amount that you've got to document. And if you can do that, you, you know how long it takes me? So the first visit is going to take the longest because yeah. you're putting a lot of stuff in there. And that might take me, I don't know, between seven and 10 minutes, depending on how many symptoms there are. After the first visit, though, it literally takes me an average of seven to 10 seconds to document a note. And that is exceeding all Medicare requirements and, and, and every other set of guidelines and regulations. Seven to 10 seconds. I can afford to do that. That's yeah. okay. Uh, and then maybe every, in a couple of weeks, I'll do a reevaluation. A re- and I don't mean the ortho neuro exam. That's usually not what we need to do. 
I, I'm going to give them the new outcome questionnaires to fill out. That takes them about a minute. It takes me about, I don't know, three seconds to document that on my soap notes. So we've got to be, and this is where, you know, we've got to look at technology to see, does technology make us more efficient or not? And to be honest with you, even though we're approaching 2020 right now, I am much more interested in efficiency than I am in technology. For example, would you agree that technology does not always make us more efficient? That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. So if, if it's technological but not efficient, I'm not interested. I'm only looking for, I'm only interested in technology if it actually saves me time, if it actually improves my, the quality of my life. So that's what I'm always looking for. Sometimes people ask me about software. And I'm like, you know what? That right there, you're better off documenting that on paper. Or that right there, yeah, that might be better on software to do that. So we have to be able to figure this out because honestly, it shouldn't take you more than a few seconds to document a typical daily visit. And I want 99% of your time with the patient to be with, with the patient and patient mm -hmm. care, not documenting this crap. You know, medical doctors have a bit more of a challenge because they have more, more variables that they have to worry about. We only have the two basic variables, the pain and the function. And we can dock and function does not have to be assessed on every visit. Medicare tells us that they said they want pain assessed on every visit and they want the functional stuff assessed every 30 days or sooner. But then you've got other guidelines that say, well, but if you don't show measurable and functional improvement on a patient in any two successive two-week periods, Referral is indicated. All right, what the hell does that mean? Just deal with the outcome questionnaires. Do it every two weeks. Just take a look. Are they getting better? Yes, keep going. Are they not getting better? No, change something. That's all we're talking about. Is there anything you recommend? I mean, I'm assuming good softwares have this, but to have a system in place to remind, okay, yeah, it's been two weeks or it's been 30 days. How do you recommend docs keep track of that? So I do it, I do it two different ways. Mm -hmm. I use... I use an EMR for my documentation, and then I use a separate program for my billing and my scheduling. And in, my, in the billing program I use, I can set up alerts that pop up all the time okay. that I can say, new outcome assessments on such and such date. So mm -hmm. staff can enter that in, and then it pops up on every visit. I can do the same thing in my, in my EMR for my documentation where I can set up an alert so that literally every visit, a reminder pops up so that I can kind of see, uh, oh, yeah, it's time to do that today all that. You need to schedule them. If you don't schedule it, you're just not going to do it. Yeah, no doubt about it. So that'd be something to have in place for sure. All right. So the doc should be able to get this note done during the patient encounter. I mean, I think that's one of the things Absolutely. that's happening is, is people get busy. They're, you know, patient after patient after patient, and they actually don't get the note done, or they may do one small part of it, and then they go to the next patient. And the next thing you know, they've got eight notes in there from the morning right. session and, and they just can't keep up. So keep it simple, get it done during the patient encounter. Uh, and you shouldn't run into this, uh, having 25 notes that are from yesterday type. of uh, Absolutely. And on the first visit, since it's a longer note with all the, all the history review of systems, all that other stuff in there, mm -hmm. what I did was I designed an intake form that matches the direction and flow of my EMR. So that way, and we send this to the patient ahead of time. So when they call to make their appointment, we can either email it to them or they can go to the website and pick it off from there. And then we tell them, make sure you complete this before your visit and bring in the completed paperwork to your appointment. 
Mm-hmm. And then we gently warn them if they're not able to do that, to show up for their appointment 45 minutes early. And then when they come in, the CA would ask them for their paperwork and they get it. And then the CA would look through it, checking to see if they skipped anything. And if they skipped anything, they give it back to them, thanking them for what they did do, but asking them to finish the other stuff, which may just take a couple of minutes. And then, and that's when the patient will come in and see the doctor. And then as a doctor, all I'm going to do is literally read it back to them. But since I'm still the doctor, there's going to be a few holes in there that, you know, some things are going to come up based on certain things that they put in there. I'm like, oh, well, tell me about this. So I'm going to ask a couple of questions here and there, but 99% of it, they did for me on paper. And then after that visit, uh, if you want, your CA could actually input that into the software easily. That way, the doctor only has to go into the subsequent visits and just change the metrics and maybe change some data findings. But, the, you know, like my software, it, it does the assessment for me for each metric and for each condition. And it also calculates the treatment goals for each metric, for each condition based on the guidelines that we use for that. So if I, if I could just document my metrics and the subjective, a few daily findings, the rest could be done for me. And that takes a little, like seconds to be able to do that. Perfect. You know, it's one of those things where you, it's freedom by discipline. And it's kind of like uh, I, at, at my strategic coach meeting a year ago, I was listening to the coach and he was talking about, he's like really, really, he, he's just so in tune with his schedule, not his patient schedule, but his calendar. And he's got blocked off from like when he's going to go to the gym to white space right. to quiet time to everything known to man is on his calendar three weeks in advance. And he talked about how by doing that, some people would think, it, oh, it's, you're, you're tied to your calendar and you, you know, it's, you're, yeah. you're all blocked up and everything like that. But he actually was like, no, it actually allows me a lot of freedom because I schedule in the freedom and, and do that. And it's really helped out and, I, and it's helped me out in the same regard. And with the notes, it's the same thing. A lot of people might be listening saying, oh, if I have to do every note during the patient encounter and get all my notes done, you know, morning notes done in the morning, afternoons done in the afternoon, all my notes done for that day, or, or at least really close to that, then it's going to just take away a lot of my uh, freedom and blah, blah, blah. But it's actually, it's the opposite. Like by doing right. that and being disciplined and doing it, you'll be amazed that when you have a two hour lunch break or a morning off, you're not doing notes and you're actually going right. and meeting with attorneys and doctors and you're right. shooting, shooting the video or you're not spending Saturday morning on the notes. Instead, you're, having, you're watching cartoons with your kid or something. So I think that's a huge take-home for chiropractors to, to really grasp from this. Yeah. You know, the, again, the big thing is a lot of these doctors are just saying too much and it's just yeah. it's meaningless. It's irrelevant. It's not helping. You've got to know what you do need to document, do that, and get the hell out of there. And live your life, spend time with your family, do stuff for your business and all that. And I want you, if you're, if you're done, at, if you're supposed to be done at noon to take a two hour lunch, I want you out of there at noon. And if That's, you're done at six o'clock, I want, you, I want you leaving at six o'clock and go hang out with your family and go to the kids' games and recitals and stuff like that. And it's so liberating to be able to do that. And that's what I like. I've heard you speak multiple times. And I love that about what you talk about because you're, you're one of the few that are actually telling people you don't have to do as much with your notes. <laughs> yeah. <do that>. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're actually teaching them what they need to be doing. So with that being said, there's rumors flying around that uh, you may be coming to Florida. Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't been there for a while, but I'm like, I, I need more miles, Kevin. I need to get more miles. <laughs> you just want to. So I'm thinking, 
I'm thinking about for 2020, I'm, doing, I'm, I'm planning on three seminars in the first quarter uh, because the weather is good in Florida in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I'm thinking about doing uh, South Florida, like, like uh, Fort Lauderdale or, or West Palm or something, and then one yep. in uh, Tampa and then one in Jacksonville, all Perfect. before the end of March. So you guys can get your CD credits. Done. So okay. that's, my, that's my plan. Perfect. And this, this show will come out in early January. So when, uh, or sorry, where could they go to find out more about, about those seminars? So I'll be having my, uh, I'll be posting my schedule uh, probably in the next couple of weeks or so on my website, which is gotdocumentation.com. So the first word is G like got, like G mm-hmm. like George, O, T like tango, documentation.com. And then just go to the seminar page. And I'll have, uh, I'll, I'll have at least part of the year posted up for the next couple of weeks or so. Perfect. I know I'll be sending uh, my docs to go attend that because it's, it's, it's vital information and everybody that goes just raves about it. So I highly recommend docs doing that. that. You'll teach them how to do things right, take a lot of, off their plate. And then also, uh, let's just kind of wrap up by telling us um, how your, your software also uh, does that for chiropractors. So give us a little bit of information about that. So I, I developed my own software. Uh, it took a couple of years that hired my own programmer. By the way, if you have kids going to college, get them into programming. And then I'm <laughs> yes. It's a good field. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so I have a programmer and, and I asked my programmer, how do I communicate with you? Right. Because I don't know how to code. And my programmer said, coding is two things. Numbers and logic. So everything you want to do, try to put it in terms of numbers and logic. And I thought, mm-hmm. oh, okay. So that's where I got you know, the metrics involved. But I don't want to overdo it with metrics. So I just use the metrics that we need to do. So the intensity, frequency, outcome questionnaires, and then range of motion measurements as an option. Mm-hmm. And then, again, as we do that really quickly, and then I have the software actually doing half of the work for us. So it will actually calculate the assessment based on Medicare's requirements showing change for each condition since the previous visit, it'll calculate automatically what percentage improvement there was in the neck intensity, what improvement there was in the neck frequency, what improvement there was in the outcome question, stuff like that. And then it'll also calculate automatically treatment goals, which are another requirement that's a must, based on a basic standard percentage of improvement that we're looking for in a four-week period of time. So why not let technology do that for us? So we just do our part, change the metrics, put in a few daily findings, and then let the technology take it to the promised land. And it's so easy to do that. I just had, I had a doctor from Anchorage email me today, and he's like, man, he said, this is the best software I've ever seen in my 30 years of practice. And then I had another guy in, in uh, Kentucky email me today. Today was a good email day. And the guy <laughs> in Kentucky said, oh, man. he said, this is like the best thing ever. He said, my, he said I am had an attorney on a PI case, an attorney, an attorney told me, this is the best documentation he's ever seen. And you're able to do it like in seconds. So it's not like it's taking me all this stupid amount of time to do it. So anyway, I'm excited about it because I'm giving chiropractors their lives back. Yeah. So they can do their stuff that they want to do and not be bogged down with this crap of documenting. But at the same time, have exceptional documentation, hitting all the requirements and all the musts and the shoulds and and leaving it out to kids. Perfect. I like it. And I, you know, it's just one of those things where 
you know, we could talk about this for two or three hours. Obviously, you could talk about it for a whole weekend. That's why you have your, your courses. I can't stress enough for chiropractors to get really clear on this and figure out a system and, and have the proper uh, knowledge and, and software to get the notes not to be ruining your day and your life <laughs> in so many ways, right? It just doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't. It, it, and we've been fed we've been fed just a bunch of crap over the years and, and part of it's not our fault. I mean, part of it's just technology evolves, but we're at a point now where we can really, we can really do this in, in yeah. very little time. So I, I don't do these podcast interviews to promote, I really don't do it to promote my seminars or software, but I appreciate you mentioning it. But if somebody yeah. wants to go to my website, they can. In fact, I'm in these social media groups and people know me that I, I won't talk about it. I'll, people will ask me and I'm like, just DM me if you want. But yeah. I'm not going to speak public about that. But my website for the software, if anybody wants to go to that, is thebulletproofchiro.com. So the, like T-H-E, mm-hmm. bulletproof, Cairo, C-H-I-R-O.com. And then if anybody wants to email me, just shoot me an email at drgreg, which is D-R-G-R-E-G-G, mm-hmm. at thebulletproofchiro.com. And I'll answer any questions. And I'm not trying to sell anybody. I don't have to sell anybody anything because it just kind of sells itself. Absolutely. Well, listen, I really appreciate your time. I'm looking forward to seeing you. In Je- Are you going to, you're going to be in Vegas again? Are you bad? I'll be in Vegas. You uh, kidding me? <laughs> perfect. I'll be there. I'll, I'll be there with you. So I'll see you then. And I'll see you at your, whichever uh, city you pick in South Florida. All right. Beautiful, man. Thanks. Take care. Thanks for tuning in today. Please be sure to check our redesigned website at www.modernchiropracticmarketing.com. Stay up to date with our blog where content is regularly added by Kevin and guest contributors. You can also access our library of podcast episodes there. Go to www.modernchiropracticmarketing.com and subscribe to the podcast today. This is the podcastfactory.com.